Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. The guest on the pod today, A.M. Holmes, makes a great point about who gets to write the so-called great American novel. (laughs) That phrase, by the way, is one she doesn't even use, and her replacement for it is, I think, alone worth listening to this interview for. But anyway, Holmes talks about how historically in American literature, women write the small domestic stories and men write the big political statement type novels. Her new book, The Unfolding is her attempt to put those two ideas right up against each other. It's about this super wealthy Republican power broker guy whose life and entire worldview is shattered by the election of former President Barack Obama. At the same time, his home life isn't going great either. And Holmes tells NPR's Ari Shapiro that she likes to write from the perspective of characters least likely to tell their stories. And to her, an old school conservative, literally named the big guy, is the perfect vehicle to examine older white men in power. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. The author A.M. Holmes often writes about characters that have a very different set of values and attributes from her. In The Unfolding, that main character is a rich Republican power broker. Here's how Holmes describes the book. The Unfolding is what I would describe as both a state-of-the-nation novel, but also a braided narrative that is as much about the sort of cultural, social, political evolution in this country, as it is about a family coming to terms with the power of secrets and coming to consciousness about who they are and where they want to go from here. The unfolding takes place during a specific window of time, starting on election night, November 2008, and ending on Inauguration Day in January of 2009, when Barack Obama was sworn in as president. I asked Holmes, why that time frame? It was fascinating because I was here in New York City when Obama won. I actually bought a new TV and invited friends over. It was my first new TV since Is that since the reason college. you bought the new TV? <laughs> it is, absolutely. <laughs> um, I thought, you know, I got to go bigger than 13 inches for this. It's going to be good. <laughs> um, and, you know, there really was this incredible sense, um, certainly where I live, of exhilaration and hope and energy and possibility. Um, but I think also... What we sort of have seen over time was that in some ways, too, that hope had another side to it. And I think it in some ways sort of, if not uncorked, um, helped to sort of trigger the, I would say, release of incredible both racism and sexism in this country that has been sort of developing and, and growing ever since. And so that's Part of the idea for me was how to begin to look at that. So as you thought back on that moment that for you represented hope and change, what made you decide, you know what, I'm going to put myself in the shoes of a Republican power player that night in Phoenix, Arizona, sitting at a hotel bar when the world around him as he knew it felt like it was crumbling? I believe in the idea of inhabiting, you know, shoes other than one's own. So this was a very different pair of shoes for me. It might've been more of a wingtip. It might've been a much larger size. Um, I think there has been a 
interesting evolution of the Republican Party, where in some ways, old school Republicans, like the big guy in this book, began to feel when McCain lost to Barack Obama that they were losing control of the party and losing power and very much threatened by the idea of no longer, you know, being older white men in power. I could imagine somebody reading this book and thinking, oh, well, she saw the insurrection and decided to go back and retrace the roots. But you actually started writing this more than a decade ago, right? Yeah, I've been at it for a long time. You know, I said to my editor many, many years ago, like, I feel like something's happening out there. And uh, and I, I was sort of looking at the election cycles and the way I felt that politicians had lost touch with, you know, the average American. And then this incredible rise of dark money into the political process. And for me, the dovetail of those two things really led us down the road to how we got to Trump. And and I wanted the book to be done well before the last election. And, you know, publishing takes a year before the book comes out, and I was not quite done. And then January 6th happened, my friends all called me and said, thank God it didn't come out. <laughs> or or <laughs> what you would be have been trouble. blamed as having invoked it in your fiction. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I feel like when news organizations or authors tap into the countervailing narrative to Obama, the people who did not feel like it was an era of hope and change, they often look to the quote-unquote downtrodden. It's sort of the hillbilly mm-hmm. elegy approach. But your main character, the big guy, is the opposite of downtrodden. I mean, he is the 1%. He is a power broker. He is rich and influential. What do you think we see when we look at that aspect of it? Well, I think people haven't seen that aspect. I've always had this odd thing as a novelist where I pick the least likely characters to tell a story. So in a way, (laughs) who is the least likely person to talk about, you know, older white men losing power? Well, a whole group of them. You know, know, I didn't want to write fully in reaction to what was happening in the world around us. But I wanted to kind of open that door a little bit and look at that. Um, Yeah. And. And and as you spend time with those characters, do you find your empathy muscles straining or strengthening? What kind of uh, an effect does it have? I think that's a good title for like a self-help book called (laughs) The Empathy Empathy Muscle. Right. People are always calling me going, am I supposed to like these people? And I think it's irrelevant because when you look at like books all through history, you don't think, oh, crime and punishment. I love that guy. What a great murderer. Medea, Um, lover. Right, totally. And so I do think... When I look at the big guy, do I feel empathy for him? Absolutely. Do I feel compassion for him? Absolutely. There is a large piece of the book that is about the political curve, as we might call it, mm. of the last you know 10 years. But importantly, there's also a part where the big guy begins to realize, uh-oh, what if I am a jerk? What if I'm not a good person? What does that mean? How do I live with myself? For me, that's where the empathy lies, is is in the movement within each character towards sort of their own truth, if you want to call it that. Alongside the political upheaval, there is this family plot and the two play out alongside each other. What interested you about juxtaposing these two different kinds of collapse, micro and macro? There's so many ways I could answer that. And I will say one of them is that historically in American literature, women write the sort of interior small domestic story and then write the large, sprawling sort of, you know, social, cultural novel, political novel. So I really wanted to kind of marry those two threads together of, and I don't even call things the great American novel. I call it the pretty good big book. 
So the <laughs> ideas of the pretty good big book with also that more intimate domestic and importantly, the idea of the various kinds of unraveling or um, the ways in which by kind of looking at ourselves more clearly, we come closer to kind of knowing ourselves so that even as things seem to be unfolding or unfurling, they also are getting closer to truth, you know, within themselves and within the culture to some degree. You've written a dozen books, but this is your first novel in a decade. How does it feel to jump back into the pool? The truth is it's terrifying. And and even as I'm sort of watching some of the reviews come out, and some of them are negative, which I always say there's a, such a thing as a good, bad review. But what's important to me is to think about fiction that's not always about just being entertaining, although I hope parts of this book are entertaining. But mostly it's it's about sort of capturing a place in time and culture and then looking at the movement of you know, society from that to where we are now, which I think is fascinating, you know. A.M. Holmes, her new novel is The Unfolding. Thank you for talking with us about it. Thank you so much. And just a quick note, an earlier version of this episode uh, misstated the title of the book as The Unraveling. I just want to stress the correct title is The Unfolding, and uh, we regret the error. All right. Thanks, y'all. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.